God. God bless you in advance for your, your giving and for your thoughtfulness for um, the fine folks there at the orphanage in Nicaragua. We uh, support an orphanage in Haiti. We do about 9,000 meals every month there. Then we do meals here in Hickory as well. Uh, and so this is over and above. If you, again, if you'd be so kind to help, we would appreciate it. Uh, I think I did, back in June, I preached um, online, or actually it was live television. I did it again on Friday. I preached on live television, five different continents, 182 uh, countries, a little bit over 2 million people watched, and uh, then they, they send you a text back afterwards on how many decisions. There were 24,000 decisions made for Christ on, on Friday. Uh, can you just give it up for the Lord? It's just so good what, God, what, what God's doing uh, through that ministry that we're really not a part of. We just uh, we, we help out when we can. They, they invite different speakers, pastors to come and, and speak and do it right from my home office. And um, God is so cool with modern technology. And again, we have people, hundreds of people that watch on Sunday and then through the week, uh, the broadcast service here. Uh, church is different. Church looks different. Church is, uh, is a little bit, uh, there's a new normal taking place. I'll talk about that a little bit today. We ended the, the one series, Carry On, and we're walking into Galatians. So we're going to talk, uh, uh, there's six chapters in Galatians, but we're going to take about seven weeks to cover the six chapters. And so uh, Galatians is a little bit of a microcosm of Romans, uh, but Paul has some differences in, in the church and some differences on how things are presented. And we'll talk about them because it's important that we, uh, first of all, don't have differences in church, but we don't have differences on what God is expecting uh, the freedom of salvation to be like. And so this is kind of subtitled the free gospel because that's what Galatians is about. It's about accepting Jesus for free with no hindrances, no add-ons, okay? Sometimes if you've seen an ad maybe in the paper uh, for, you know, a car, and then at the very bottom it'll say, this is base price. If you want, you know, uh, the luxury package, if you want the leather, if you want, uh, back in the day when I was growing up, if you wanted AC and a radio, it was more. Well, now thankfully it comes with AC and a radio. Uh, but if you want certain things, that's an add-on. There's no add-on to the gospel. Jesus is free for everybody. Amen? We have to understand that. We have to know that. This is what Paul is teaching in Galatians. Now, the add-on, and I shared in the earlier service, that uh, some messages might make you really excited and, wow, that's amazing. And some might make you a little bit mad. So if the ones that make you mad, hang in there. There will be one that makes you excited. If one makes you excited, hang in there because one might make you a little bit mad. Paul talks about the whole realm of Christianity and salvation, and we have to understand understand this and learn what this free gospel is about. Let's pray, and then we'll read, because I want to go through a couple scriptures, and we'll have some thoughts for you. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for truth. We thank you today, Lord, that you are alive and well. Now, bless, Father, Lord, the words that are spoken today. Uh, Lord, let the hearers hear, Lord, that we have uh, those things that you have for us to open our hearts for. Uh, let your word come forth. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. All right, Galatians 1, 1 through 9. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ. And let's stop there for a moment. We'll give you some 
points. Uh, Paul, in my opinion, really believes he should have been the 12th apostle. Peter, who he is at odds with a little bit right here uh, in this, in this uh, book, Galatians, uh, took it upon himself in Acts the first chapter after Judas went and hanged himself. He took it upon himself to cast lots uh, between Matthias and another uh, potential apostle to name the 12th. So Matthias is named the 12th apostle, never to really be heard from again. We have no idea what his ministry was like, if it was fruitful or not. Paul, I believe, through the burden of his calling, uh, really thinks he's that apostle, but he doesn't have to prove it to men. God's already proved it to him. Uh, not nor through man, but through Jesus and Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul always talks about grace and peace. He's really big on it. Even though there's strife and there's trouble, there's tribulation, uh, not only in his personal life, in his letters, in prison, in jail, uh, with some of the brothers at the council, all these things, he really wants to strive for grace and peace, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God uh, and Father. So we understand this, again, that it's God's will to send his son, Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? That's the free gospel. In a nutshell, spoiler alert, that's the free gospel. Now the problem is we keep adding things to it. To whom be the glory forever and ever, amen. It's almost like an ending. But then he goes back in to verse 6 and says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. We'll talk about that a little bit more. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. And then he reiterates, as we have said before, so now I say it again, if anyone, say anyone, anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you have received, let him be accursed. Paul is adamant in this particular case that the gospel that is preached has to be the one that's a free gospel of salvation to all people, all right? Uh, we, we've in probably in the church world uh, throughout the ages have distorted this, and it really goes all the way back to uh, Constantine in 312 A.D., where Constantine received Christ but chose not to live for him, and then he demanded that everybody be a Christian. This is, this is the easy way out. Let's just demand everybody uh, become a Christian. They would set up one universal church. That's the, one, uh, that's the word what Catholic means, universal church. And again, I'm not bashing uh, Catholics. I'm not bashing any mainline denominations at all, all right? I have very good, loving people around the world who line up with Catholic and are, are making heaven their home, all right? They, they have a relationship with Jesus. They love God. And so, but the word universal and Catholic are parallel. Constantine said, we're just going to make everybody Christian. Well, wouldn't that be, when I was a younger believer, I thought, well, what if just Satan could get saved? Wouldn't that just put an end to everything? 
would be perfect if we could just get that devil just to commit his life to the Lord. Well, we can't. It's a, that's a done deal, all right? So Constantine kind of had that idea, let's just make everybody go to the universal church, and then the universal church became corrupt. Why? Because every time power and money gets involved in anything, it corrupts people. All right? And there's a corruption that takes place. Again, so Constantine chose to declare something that he wasn't willing to follow. So in our realm, what Paul is saying here in Galatians, that there's a different gospel that's kind of reared its ugly head around you. There's two main churches in the world at this time, the church in Jerusalem and the church in uh, Antioch. So Paul's addressing these things in the book of Galatians uh, and the letters that he writes to Galatia, saying, wait a second, because we covered this back in the Council of Jerusalem in Acts the 15th chapter when they took the vote to see if Gentiles, us here in this room, could be added to the kingdom of God, which already Jesus set forth in motion when he said that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believeth on him should perish and should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. Now, the Bible doesn't say that God so loved the Methodists. God so loved the Pentecostals. God so loved the uh, Baptists. God so loved the Catholics. God so loved the Presbyterians or the Episcopalians. God so loved the, and you fill in the blank. No, God so loved the world, and, which means he loves everybody, right? And by the way, he can't love any more than what he does already. He doesn't love the most vile sinner any less than he loves the most, uh, you know, Mother Teresa, he, God is love, and so his love, and we have to understand, presents this free gospel. In fact, uh, John 3.16, we quote all the time. John 3.17, we hardly ever quote, but God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. And so we get saved through Jesus. This is our access point. This is our free gospel. There's a, a gospel of salvation. His name is Jesus. When we accept him, then it doesn't matter if we're baptized or Pentecostal or Presbyterian or Catholic or Methodist, it means that we're all part of the family of God. Can you say amen? It's important to know because then the church starts to put restrictions, and this is what the church in Jerusalem was doing. They were putting restrictions on what Paul was saying. Wait, this is a free gospel. We have to let go of the restrictions. Now, remember this. Restrictions and acceptance doesn't necessarily mean tolerance. I know tolerance is a big word in the world today. Well, are you tolerant of this? Are you tolerant of that? Are you tolerant of that? Listen, I accept certain things, and people even will question what I accept, but I accept on the fact that God knows a person's heart. If they say that they've received Christ as their Lord and Savior, we're in the boat together. If they're not saved, then we need to get them in the boat. Now, through discipleship, we all grow together in Christ, okay? I shared a minute ago that Janie and I have been married 41 years tomorrow. When we got married, we stopped dating other people, are you with me? So the idea behind salvation is when you receive Christ, you start to live for him. You stop doing other things that maybe the world will say is okay, or maybe the, your past would say okay. Now I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to uh, bend my rules towards that. I'm going to continue to grow in Christ. But when someone says they're, uh, when someone receives Christ, 
Jesus says, he that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if they call upon the name of the Lord, that's the action step. That's the start. The church in Jerusalem wasn't saying that. The church in Jerusalem was saying, we're going to let the Gentiles in, but they have to obey the Mosaic laws. They have to be circumcised. Women can't worship with men. All these things were starting to be about, okay? And some of you, uh, like me, who maybe uh, had a transformation in the 80s, we lived through legalism. I uh, talked to a, a friend this morning who has shorts on in church. Oh, my goodness. That would have never happened in the 80s. They would have caught him at the door turn around, dress right, or they would have ushered him to the altar. Thirteen people would have laid hands on him and smashed him to the floor, rebuked that devil right out of him, which may or may not be a good idea. I don't know. See, the gospel, church, the gospel is free. Jesus and salvation is free for everybody. So Paul has this problem because the church in Jerusalem is stymied. It's stuck. It's, there, it's not going anywhere because there are so many rules and religiosity on everything. But the church in Antioch is blowing up. It's growing by leaps and bounds. And the church in Jerusalem is mad at the church in Antioch because Paul's over that church. He's planted that church. And he's saying, wait, just receive Jesus. If you receive Jesus, there's a new in a fresh way. Now, again, that's the start. That's not the end all, but that's the start. Everything else, though, if we're not careful, becomes performance. And there's a performance Christianity, and the church has uh, wrote the book on it. We've written the book on it, on, on how to perform, how to act like a Christian when we come to church, how to look the part, how to speak the right lingo, how to say the right things. And we, and we talk about different things, and we get very churchy if we want, but we put this mask over ourselves, and if we're not careful, we need to take the mask off, okay? Because the, this mask then starts becoming, well, this is who I am. I I can't, I can't act that way around other believers. They'll think poorly of me. I can't, I can't confess my sins like Jesus' brother James suggested to do in James, the fifth chapter, verses 13 through 18. Confess your faults one for another. Pray one for another. So what? So that you will be healed. But if I come to church and you think I'm messed up, you might not like me as much. Or if the church thinks you just, you're a bad person in a bad way, all of a sudden the, we start to judge one another and our prayer requests become gossip and nobody wants to be a part of it. And so we don't have that freedom to interact freely like we know that Jesus wants us to. This is really, really, really important to what Paul is saying in Galatians. This is a free gospel, but the church has kind of crippled it. Sometimes the church today acts like the church of Jerusalem. There's rules and there's regulations and there's restrictions and all these things. Wait a second. If you're a believer, you shouldn't be acting that way. If you're a believer, you shouldn't be doing those. All those could be true to an extent that comes down to the heart of the person who loves God. Did you receive Christ? In fact, my first point here is Paul adopts salvation as Jesus taking over both heart and mind. Sometimes we check the box. I'm, I'm, I'm a believer. I'm going to get water baptized. If you, and by the way, if you haven't been water baptized since your conversion, you should think about getting water baptized on September the 5th. It's an open display of what Christ has done internally for you. You're, you're telling people, hey, I'm a Christ follower. I'm a believer, okay? 
I've had people in, in uh, the church world that, uh, that have, uh, uh, have rebuked me for having people on the platform uh, with tattoos and, uh, and the like. I mean, it's, it, we, we have crippled the gospel to a point where we're now performing. Do I look the part? Uh, do I act the part? but then we become very fake, okay? And I want you to know there's a freedom in Christ to, to live this life that says, wait a second, all I want to make sure, Jesus, that you have my whole heart and my mind. I've confessed with my mouth what I believe in my heart. I'm a born-again believer. Christ, I love you. Now I'm going to live for you. I was part of a mainline denomination that believed anybody outside of that denomination couldn't go to heaven. And so then I left that denomination, and like, all right, is you know, prayers were offered up for me, uh, and so that I would that make heaven my home. Uh, but listen, it's all about relationship. And if we put uh, qualifications on people, again, this is what Paul is saying in the book of Galatians uh, to, the, to the Galatians and also probably to Peter in the church of Jerusalem, stop putting qualifications on people. But pastor, like we can't accept, listen, I, I, I'll run through a couple things with you really quickly. In the 40s, unwed uh, pregnant mothers weren't allowed in church. In the 50s, divorcees weren't allowed in church. In the 60s, black people weren't allowed in white churches. In the 70s, there were white flight because black people were coming to urban churches, and the white people that had money and could get out of Dodge into the suburbs, they moved out that way. And then all that starts to trickle back into the church to where in the 80s, the church became highly legalistic that when I gave my heart to the Lord, people gave me a list of things that I could not do anymore. And maybe you were that way too. And I refuse to be a church that says you can't do this. I'd rather be a church that says, wait a second, let's take it before the Lord. Let's, let's ask Jesus on what you should do. Let's ask Jesus if what you're doing is right. Let's ask Jesus. Let's go to the Bible. Let's read the scriptures. Let's open the book and say, wait a second. All right, let's, let's start here. Do you say that you're a believer? Do you say you're born again? Do you, are you a Christ follower? Do you love Jesus? Yes. All right, let's start right there. If you can't profess that, then it's really a, a pointless conversation because we're going to talk about people and to people that say, well, I want to love Jesus. All right, great. Here's why you should. It's a free gospel, but the church has handcuffed some of us, and we as a church have handcuffed some people by saying, wait a second, you, you, you don't belong. You're, you're not growing fast enough. You're not, you're not part of this. Now, again, if you love today's message, you might hate it in about three or four weeks when I start going through some of the sins that Paul talks about that people shouldn't participate in. And if you, if you hate today's message, then you might love it in a few weeks when I talk about the sins that people shouldn't participate in. So it's a, it's a, it's a diaphragm that, the, that Paul is talking about, and he comes full circle. Why is that important? Because he's got odds with the church in Jerusalem. Wait, he's like, no, you can't put these restrictions on people. You have to stop saying you have to obey the Mosaic law. Or, or in my case, you have to stop wearing shorts. You have to stop going to movies or you have to stop doing this. And it's a whole list of performance. And we don't have a performance God. We have a passionate God. We have a God who wants us 
to passionately pursue him, not to, through performance, be productive for him. Now, there is fruit, and your fruit should bear with it, but we have to understand that, number two, the law reveals blemishes, but it doesn't remove them. So we look at the law, the only reason the law existed was twofold. One, for a boundary for Israel, hey, don't, don't do these things. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't covet. Honor God. Honor the Sabbath. Do those type of things. It was to reveal that they needed a Savior. So then Jesus came. He is the Savior, all right? He died for us. His Father sent him. Janie mentioned it earlier, third part of the, the Trinity, the Holy Spirit empowers us so that we can live this life. The Bible says that you can't even be saved unless the Spirit first draws you. And then Romans says it's the, it's the goodness and the kindness of God that, that gets people saved. And so we have this loving Father. The Holy Spirit comes. He chooses to use the actions of the church to allow people to, to love his son into salvation. But when we continue to put restrictions on people, well, I don't know. They're not living it. They're their fruit doesn't bear it. Jesus knew this was going to be a problem. So in Matthew, the 24th chapter, he said, hey, let the fruit, let the wheat and the tares grow up together. Just let them grow together. I'll take care of them at the end. Well, well, pastor, are you giving false hope? No, I'm not. If you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to repent of your sins. You need to accept Christ into your life. And then you need to live for him. And he decides he's going to change stuff in you. You need to step up to the plate and decide, I'm going to start changing my ways. I'm going to start changing my habits. I'm going to start changing my lifestyle, my attitude, and all those things that go with it because I love Jesus more than anything, and he's the ruler of my life. When we take that attitude, then he has the right to change us. But listen, I've said it for years. If you change for man, you'll change back because of man because man's going to hurt you or offend you. And Janie and I have a statement around the house. If the word, I tell her sometimes I have the gift of offense. I'm going to say I'm going to offend somebody. But then we decided that if the word offends somebody, that's, up, that's between them and God. So if the word offends you during this book of Galatians, don't take it out on me, okay? If you need to email, email emily at gracechurch.tv. <laughs> She's our Burke County representative. So it's important, listen, because I think, church, I think we've missed it a little bit. I'm just going to, let me bear truth and be honest for a moment. Because we are good at hiding things. Oh, man, I've been a Christian for 40 years, and I got this deep, dark secret, or I've been a believer for six months, and those guys are further along than me. And, and the enemy plays with our mind, and God wants our heart. And when God wants our heart, and we see that something's taken place, and we don't have anybody to tell, then we, then we walk into a church environment, and we say, wait a second, if these guys all look like they got their act together, all of a sudden, I've got to get my act together. There couldn't be a bigger lie in the history of mankind, God knows who you are. He knows right where you're at. 
He knows your flaws and failures, and the church needs to know those flaws and failures to, fa failures to help you grow. But we, we put this mask on on Sunday morning that says, wait a second, I can't let anybody know that I'm hurting, that I'm in pain, that I'm hiding this thing, and all of a sudden it becomes a, a big lie. And the, prob the problem is that they were having then with the church in Jerusalem at Galatia is point number three is that we start to revise the gospel. And the moment you revise the gospel, then you reverse the gospel because we add conditions to it. Now that you're a born-again believer, now that you're a Christ follower, you can't do certain things. You'll hear this uh, maybe more than once during the sermon series and these things that I can't do any longer. But yeah, but pastor, wait a second. Back in the day, yet, see, this is still the day. This is the day, and Jenny quoted, I think, too, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will, I choose to rejoice and be glad in it. Why is that important? It's important because this is God's day. This is the, not because it's Sunday. Every day is the Lord's day. Lord, what would you work in me today? And I want to tell you that it's okay if you're not okay. Like if you're, if you're messed up in a certain area, and we've all been there, some of us are probably there right now. I have learned and I'm learning that this free gospel truly is free, and it's free for everybody. I, for years, tried to qualify people. Well, I don't know if they really got it. Did they really get it? I, I think their, their, their life would bear it. And I, I still believe that, but I'm not the judge. Jesus is the judge. Jesus, in fact, says, judge not lest you be judged for the same measure that you judge. That same measure will come back to you. And so if you're judging someone, you, in effect, bear their judgment. You bear their sins. You bear the burden of their sins. When Jesus said, let them both grow up together, I'll take care of them at the end. This part's going to burn, and this part's going to go on. This part's fruitful. Then it's our job, it's our duty as believers to help disciple, make disciples, simply means make Christ followers, make those who are also going to be sent. So we see, we receive Christ. It doesn't become a matter of, again, checking the box. It becomes a passionate pursuit of who God is in my life. I want to passionately pursue Jesus. Maybe it's because I'm older. Maybe it's because I'm wiser. Maybe it's because I still have uh, maybe a couple decades left. I don't know. I felt like when I received Christ, I wanted to pursue him. But I also felt like there were hindrances in my life that said, wait a second. Am I not pursuing Christ if I don't go to Sunday school every week? If I don't go to Sunday morning service? If I don't go to Sunday night service? If I don't go to Tuesday night prayer meeting? If I don't go to Wednesday night service? If I don't help Janie clean the church or have attend worship practice? All these restrictions and rules and this is what Paul is saying about the church of Jerusalem. Wait a second, y'all got just too many rules. The reason the church in Antioch is growing is because we've said it's Jesus and nothing else. Otherwise, we minimize what Jesus did on the cross. If what Jesus did on the cross is sufficient and is enough. Now again, when Janie and I said, I 41 years ago, we're further along now than we were that very first day. Fact of the matter is, we were so young, there was probably maybe three or four or five people in the whole room that thought we would make it more than five years, let alone 41. But we proved them wrong. And it's still day to day. Not, not our marriage, but every day you work at making, yeah, not our, that didn't come out right. It's still day to day. The jury's still out. No. 
what, what I mean is you work on your marriage every day, just like you work on your relationship with Jesus every day. Janie's pretty good about telling me if there's something that she doesn't like. <laughs> Anybody have a... <laughs> and every now and then I'll mention to something to her that maybe... This is, this is where the Holy Spirit comes in. Um, oh, Holy Spirit might visit with, with you, Michael, and say, hey, I, it's time to shave, bro. Stop fishing. I, I don't know. What, I'm, I'm, happy birthday, too, by the way, brother. You're, you're not, you're rebuking that. that. That's not a word of wisdom, right? That's a word from the enemy. That's a word from enemy's camp. I don't want to minimize how important the Holy Spirit is in the church setting. We, we listen, we've been groomed or misled, possibly deceived, thinking that we have to look and act a certain way to come to church in America, and that's a lie from the pits of hell. You come to church any way you can, just get here. Just get here. And then if we've allowed the Holy Spirit to do his job like he wants to do, change will take place. We ain't got to worry about changing people. But Proverbs 26 says, where there is no oxen, the stall stays clean. See, I want them fixed out there so when we come in here, it makes my job a lot easier. It's the Holy Spirit bringing people in just like they are. Should we stop kicking them back out, accept them the way they are, let's ask the Lord to, to free them up through that free gospel called salvation, and then let's get in this thing together and work this thing out. You know, I'm from a large family. Y'all know that. I'm the youngest of eight. Uh, back in the day, if somebody needed their deck built, we just all got together, and I took my coffee can of tools, and everybody else had their big old tool belts, and I had my hammer, and we, we helped build a deck. We helped, put, we helped do different things. That, that's just what families do. We are the family of Christ. If somebody's got a, an issue, we need to walk them through it, not kick them out of it. That's what the Holy Spirit does when we look at this rushing mighty wind that's spoken of. But let me, go, let me go back for just a second. So I gave you the permission to say I'm not okay, and that's okay. It's okay that I'm not okay, but I wrote these things down. If you have to add something to it. Don't just stop there. Don't hear what Pastor Mark said. Pastor Mark said it's okay that I'm not okay. It is, but you have to add this to it. Like when you wake up tomorrow, say it's okay that I'm not okay, but... I have faith in Jesus. It's okay that I'm okay, but I'm living in the grace of God. It's okay that I'm not okay, but I have faith, I have hope, I have trust, I have belief, I have friends in the church, and most of all, it's okay that I'm not okay, but I do have the creator of the universe named Jesus Christ living in my heart. So it's okay that I'm not okay, because I know this is very temporal, that I'm going to walk through this thing called life, and every day Jesus is going to visit with me and walk with me and share with me, and the Holy Spirit is going to enlighten me on how he wants things done. And he's not dealing, he very seldom will he deal with me about somebody else. He's going to deal with me about me. And as he's dealing about me, with me, about me, he's going to change. And as I change, other things are going to change because people like to see change in other people first. So Grace Church, hear me on this. Paul is saying, Church of Jerusalem, you guys are, you're a little messed up. You're putting way too many rules and restrictions. And you're, and you're stymieing what the freedom of the gospel is. Church in Antioch, you got it, but be careful. Because Paul says, hey, I know how to be free. I can do whatever I want to do, but it's not all good for me. 
It doesn't help me in my walk with Christ. And so when I, when I look at Jesus and I say, okay, Father, in, the, in, this, in this realm of being okay or being okay to not be okay, I want to continue to grow. Some people grow a little faster than other people. Some people, it's not, it's not their story, okay? They're, or maybe they're, they're adamant about being who they are, all right? I would call that agenda, when I got saved, when I gave my heart to the Lord, I needed to give up my personal agenda and live for Jesus. Jesus then has the right to change me into the person he wants me to be. This is why my wife and I went into ministry, not because we wanted to and not because it's easy. Dear Lord, it's not. Because God called us into ministry. This is why we moved 1,200 people, miles from all the people that we knew, not because we wanted to, but because God called us to. It's been our privilege for 41 years as a married couple to say, God, what do you want? That is the Christian walk. God, what do you want? How can I serve you, Father? What do, I'm going to put away my own selfish desires, my own way of thinking, my past, my troubles. I'm not going to point blame. Well, this is the way I am. Deal with it. I love Jesus. No, the start of who I am is I love Jesus. Now, Lord, will you deal with me? So we go from free gospel to freedom in Christ to be able to change, to be the people that God wants. And part of the, 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 part of the whole uh, message, part of the whole uh, ushering of who Jesus is, is what we would call the rushing or the ushering in of the Spirit. In the Scriptures, and let's see, we won't turn to all of them. Give me the, give me the one in uh, 1 Samuel 16 and 13, if we have that. And then Samuel took off the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. This is the calling of David. This is what happens when you are receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now all of a sudden, there's a spirit of the Lord that rushes on you. We would say the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost rushes upon you. There's, a, there's, this, there's this benefactor now that says, wait a second, I received the presence of God. Now I receive the fullness of God in me by the power of the Holy Spirit who will not only walk alongside me, but will give me power to live this life. I'm not handicapped anymore. The true freedom of the gospel isn't full with rules and regulations. It's full of freedom to be who God wanted me to be. The freedom of Christ living in me. And then let's go to the 14th verse, if we have that same chapter, same verse. Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. Come on back, worship team. Why is that important? Because every time in Scripture you follow Saul's good works, the Spirit of the Lord were there. And the Spirit of the Lord stayed with him because he was walking in humility. He was walking in love. He was walking in fortitude. He was walking in peace. He was walking in forgiveness. And when jealousy came upon Upon him, the Spirit of the Lord left him, and unforgiveness walked on him. The Spirit of the Lord left him. And here's what I'm saying to our church, Grace Church, and anybody who's listening to me. If you would just walk in love and forgiveness, the Spirit of the Lord will rush in. Those changes that you've been talking about, praying about, or expecting other people will start to happen as long as you walk in love and forgiveness yourself. It's a challenging message. It's a challenging gift. It's a free gospel. And all of a sudden, we want it free for ourselves, but we're demanding restrictions on other people. 
But pastor, their life isn't living like that. I know it. I get it. Let's give some time. Let's, let's just, let's, let's, let's walk this thing through a little bit. Jesus says, just, just love on them. The Bible says, where, did, where was Jesus? He was out eating with sinners. He was out hanging around sinners. The religious people just got so mad and angry. How, how can he do that? He should, be, he should be hanging out with us, of which they didn't even accept him to begin with. No, see, Jesus came for the sick and brokenhearted. He came so that he could free people, and now he's asking the church to do the same thing. Hey, would you love them right where they're at? Let them receive Christ. Now let's walk through this pathway together. Paul is saying this because the church in Antioch is blowing up. It's doing good things. But the church in Jerusalem is just crippled as can be because they're putting so many restrictions on people. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. You can't do that. And I, for one, have been there. I live that. And I, it's, it's not fair. It's not fair when God says, let me deal with you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And let's walk through this thing together. Let's lead the way. Let's be full of grace. Let's be full of mercy. Let's be full of faith. Now, I know you haven't shouted me down. And, and, and maybe this is the one that you say, well, I don't know about that. Well, just hang in there the next few weeks. You'll really love it. But I think we have to be careful that we don't bear a spirit of religiosity and restrictions, but we bear a spirit of love and freedom it's because the gospel is truly free for every person. Amen? Stand with me this morning. Let me pray for you. You need to hear and read and see and sing this song this morning because it really encapsulates what I've been talking about. The freedom of the Holy Spirit, when you get saved, and the Holy Spirit rushes on you, and now it becomes a freeing agent to you. Again, I'm not giving you a free license to go out and sin and do whatever you want to do. That's not, you've missed the whole point if that's the case. I'm saying let's release the, uh, the restrictions for a moment and say, wait, Jesus is for everybody because God so loved the world not somebody in particular in the world. Father, we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit and by your grace, Lord, that we can live this life of fullness. Lord, that whatever restrictions might be placed on us would be placed on us by you, not by man, not by uh, hindrances. But Lord, we can live freely in you because we love you. We chase after you. Lord, and we pray for the Holy Spirit now to rush in freely in each of our lives, in our church, in our community, in our homes, in our nation, in this world, where the church will be that entity that you want it to be. Father, Lord, one that's full of grace and mercy. Lord, uh, eyes wide open. Lord, that gives a free gospel to each and every person. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
the cry of this church, God. Let it be in our spirits. Let it be in our life, in our lifestyle. This is God. We just want more of you. And without you, we are not going to move forward. But if we can have more of your love and more of your joy, more of your peace, more of your faith, we can move mountains. We can see miracles. If we have a hunger and a desire for holiness and purity, God, to walk in you and who you are and all you've called us to be. Let that be the cry of our hearts, to love you more passionately than anything we've ever desired, to put you first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else falls into place. Let that be our cry. We love you and we bless you. We pray you go with each and every person. Let us draw near to you, Lord, as you draw near to us. We bless you and we thank you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for today's